You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but we can almost become callous to the real realities that are happening all around us, the loss, the warring, the, the racism, the political strife. Today we're gonna be talking about just the sexual issues that are hitting our culture, and I'll be sharing some statistics with you, but I just wanna ask you right now just to kinda shake off that, oh, I've seen that every day mentality, and let's just engage today. I'm gonna be setting some rules of engagement because we really are living in perilous times. You know, we set up the stage to look like a camping trip, and no, we're not asking you guys to all move out into the wilderness and uh, leave culture, um, even though sometimes that's tempting, right? For some of you, for me, I'd have to have a trailer um, in and out, a few things like that. But, but honestly, we have a culture that is in free fall, and we need some, we need some navigation tools. Last week, Pastor Steve was sharing with you the, the compass that we use, and we're going to be talking more about that. But we are living in perilous times. I don't know how many of you have sat at a campfire. I actually love campfires. I love camping. As long as I have a trailer, I set up a full kitchen and I sort of uh, go, go for it. We don't have just like, you know, hot dogs and we have all kinds of stuff. We have pasta. We, have, we just have a great time camping. But I love campfire time. I love sitting around the campfire. I love the marshmallows just done perfect. My daughter Natalie can do a perfect marshmallow. Um, I love the, the conversation, the stories. I love just the sense of family and warmth. And, you know, fire, uh, whether you recognize it or not, because we live in a day where we have stoves and, and furnaces, stove is a gift that God gave to us as society. You know, in times way past, that was their source of light, their source of warmth, their source of protection. They would have a fire to keep them when they were out in the wilderness to protect them from wild animals. That's why I have a trailer, to protect me from wild animals. But, but they would use a fire. And in the confines of this fire pit or in the confines of a lantern or in the, in the designated area, fire is a gift and it's wonderful and it's a great tool. But fire gone crazy outside of the boundaries. Can we throw up that picture? <coughs> How many know that this year our, our valley was in smoke for about a month or longer? Horrendous forest fires. I know one of the pictures that I was looking for, but I couldn't find it. In the Sonoma fire, there were scenes of literally people running for their lives because the fire was moving at that fast speed and had changed course, and they were having to run for their lives, leaving their homes and their families. Fire, same fire, different boundaries. You know, God gives the analogy um, of, of sex and sexuality uh, in a very similar context. We're going to read a scripture in just a minute. But whether you know it or not, sex is actually a gift as well that God gave to us um, for some really good reasons. One, he wants us to have godly offspring. He, he said in the Garden of Eden that they would have, um, they would reproduce and they would have uh, children and they would multiply. He created sex. He meant it to be pleasurable. He meant it to be something that brought warmth and, and benefit and life to those that participated in it <coughs> within the boundaries that he set. But outside of the boundaries, sex is like a roaring fire, much like a forest fire, that when it's not used properly, when it's not done in the boundaries that God has set, it can bring great devastation. Look at this scripture with me, if you would, in Proverbs. It says, can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? So it is with the man who sleeps with another man's wife. He who embraces her 
will not go unpunished. The, the Bible literally talks about immorality as like a fire that we scoop into our lap. I don't know about you, that doesn't sound very pleasant. It sounds like something not, uh, not beautiful and contained like the forest fire. And before I start, I wanna kinda give some rules of engagement. I, I understand that this subject matter is sensitive. That in the day and age in which we live, there, have been, there has been such a bending of, of this particular area and really taking God very much out of the equation and uh, going more to a whatever feels good, whatever seems right to man. And that's what we see all around us. And if you're sitting in this room, I want you to know we are not here. Nothing that I say today is said to bring condemnation. <coughs> Nothing that I say today is meant to... Ex to, to um, to send you out of this place, to reject you. I, I'm just here today to give you God's word and to give you the art of survival, to give you the, the guidelines that he gave to bless you and then to invite you into that conversation. And I want you to know this is a, a place of compassion. This is a place where we want to have those conversations with you. But, but I want to also let you know these are perilous times. You cannot live in the day and age in which we live and not recognize that, that we have let things on our watch go way out of line. Would you, would you agree with me in these areas? Um, this series, we made some statements last week. First, that there is a God. I want to let you know that if you have not yet found God and, and believe that he is your creator, we would love to have that conversation with you. So please uh, stay <coughs> with us. We would love to meet with you because we believe that there is a God, that he loves you, that he's good, that he's wise, and that he gave a guidebook for you. Uh, that you might, um, he's written a survival and guidebook for us, and he expects us to use it. Can you pop up that slide? There is a God. He has written a survival and guidebook for us, and he expects us to use it. As I follow it, and here's the beautiful part, I begin to look like the author God. <coughs> as I was meditating on this as well, I was thinking so much about Jesus. You know, sometimes in our society, we don't look a whole lot like Jesus, and, uh, you know, if we looked a whole lot more like Jesus, I think we might have some different results. But I know many of you in this room, I believe you're, you're working to walk and talk like Jesus did. And, you know, he was amazing. He was able to navigate the perilous times. His culture was, if not, uh, it was definitely at least as bad as ours, if not worse, in the area of sexuality with all kinds of perversion and so forth that was just completely accepted. And the Christians... Uh, uh, belief that uh, one man and one woman uh, together and married was the parameter for sex was actually kind of an unheard of thing. Also the concept of one God. And yet Jesus walked in the midst of that society. <coughs> and the Bible says that he literally embodied two things, grace and truth. He was able to walk in society 100% full of grace and 100% full of truth. And I really believe that that's the goal that each one of us are, are asking God to really help us in navigating these times that we would walk in it. But we're going to look at some things right now. I want to read a passage of scripture. Pastor Steve read part of it last week because one of the things we have to do, and I, as I was, like I said, I did a lot of prayer for this message because I know that some of the things we talk about are hot topics. And I really felt God tell me um, to read a good amount of scripture because it's God's word that navigates these waters the best for us. 
teaching and having ourselves realize that what God says about sex and sexuality is actually what he means and what are his intentions. And so I want to read first from Romans chapter 1, if we can, verses 18 through 32. It says, For but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, I wanted to say something as we get into this. The verse that precedes this is actually Paul saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God. He recognized that there was an answer to everything that he was going to talk about. And he, he trusted in the power of the gospel. And that's what we trust in in this church. But I want to show you the progression that he saw in his society. And I believe as we read it together, you're going to see that we see it in our society every bit as clearly. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise, amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish, to acknowledge God. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, sounds awesome, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do those things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. And worse yet, they encourage others to do the same. That's a mouthful. I didn't write that. The Apostle Paul wrote that. That was God's perspective. And, uh, and in just a minute, I'm going to be sharing some statistics, and then I'm going to be sharing three things with you that we need to recognize as we navigate these culturally crazy waters that we're in in the area of sexuality. And I'm going to, like I said earlier, I'm asking you to really put on your thinking cap with me. And I think for those of you that are Christians, have, have are, believe the Bible to be true, believe that God is your creator, I want you to just kind of put, put yourself up against the compass and check and see how close am I walking in my thinking, in the way I make my decisions, in the way I live my life with my family, with my friends, with my coworkers. How close am I living to God's perspective, to the compass that he set? Or have I been, like Romans 12, 2 warns us about, have I been squeezed into the mold of the world? Here's just a few statistics 
that show us the brokenness of our world. There were so many that I probably could have taken an hour uh, to just read and read. And I want to give thanks to Pastor Dave Patterson from the Father's House in Napa. He did a great message on this that I, I've used some points from. Um, also, Pastor Chris Hodges, a book called The Daniel Dilemma. Uh, this is There's nothing new under the sun, guys. And then a book by Levi Lesko called Swipe Right. I would encourage you, in fact, I would actually challenge you in the day and age in which you live to arm yourself and get equipped in this area. And actually, don't take my word for it, but do some research and get ready to have this conversation so that you can navigate these perilous times for your life, for your family, and also be there to help grab people out of these crazy waters. Amen? Here's some statistics. Americans who have participated in a one-night stand, 58.1%. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask for hands, okay? <coughs> Americans who have had unprotected sex with someone they didn't know, 51%. The average number of sexual partners that a person has is 10.7. When asked the question, is sex between unmarried men and women morally wrong, 67% of Americans said that it was acceptable, and 30%, only 30% said it was morally wrong. Acceptance of homosexuality has risen from 46% in 94 to 58% in 2011. Sex trafficking now is considered one, um, the fate of one and six runaways. One in six runaways is going to be caught up into the sex trafficking trade, and the average age is 12 to 14. Of the, of the girls primarily and also some of the young men that are caught in that. There's statistics in the area of, of homosexuality that um, those in the lesbian gay community, the suicide rate is five times as high. Now what's interesting is that, because um, Pastor Steve and I were talking about this, the, the, the statisticians, some of them will say, well, it's high because they've been persecuted and because people have made them feel bad about themselves. But literally, as it has become more accepted, the suicide rate has not gone down the suicide rate has continued to increase. Why? Because we were never created to live outside of the parameters that God set. And as much, and, and again, with compassion, and we're going to be talking about giving some definitions and talking, we have great compassion. You know, in the society in which we live, kids in school are, have been being taught for at least the last decade or two that homosexuality is an acceptable behavior, that you should at least check it, you should at least participate, you should at least experiment to find out if it is where you're going. There is so much gender confusion. There are so many things just coming at us. And yet when, the, when Christians stand up and go, excuse me, there's this God guy? that loves you more than you ever imagined and created you, and he actually set a plan for sex that makes it work really awesome, and it, it's, it's safe, and it's pleasurable, and it's purposeful, and it causes generations to be able to be born that have a, an ability to change the world, and yet what do people say? Shut up. You're, that's hate speech. That's intolerant. And see, we have to come out of the net a little bit my husband said if his daughter ever writes a book about him, he wants it to be called Come Out of the Net. Because when she was a soccer player and a goalie, he would always yell at her, Come out of the net, Nat! Because she was a goalie, and believe me, she did. She was fierce. we got to come out of the net, guys. Not with anger, not with hate, not with condemnation, as we're going to see in a few minutes. But we've got to come out with some truth. We have to come out with a little swag that says, We have this awesome God who actually created you and has a plan for your life that is beautiful. I want us to look at three areas that we need to recognize in regards to this. The first is, and, and these are an answer to how do we live well? 
in a sexually broken world? How do we live well in a world that all around us is broken? Here's some of the ways that we do that. First, we have to recognize we are all broken. Every one of us is broken, right? In some way, we need a savior. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save those who were lost. And you and I are here today. When you, if you've received Christ, you know that he came into your broken world, whether it was sexually broken or wherever you had brokenness. And he has brought life and he has brought hope and he has brought change and the hope of a new life. And so as we recognize that, that's a powerful thing. The second thing we recognize is that God actually has an opinion about sex and sexuality. God is actually opinionated. He actually has some things that he wants to say about it. And you and I, like we talked about last week, there's a compass, there's a survival guide called the Word of God, the Bible, that will help you navigate these times. But see, so many of us have, like Romans 12, we have allowed the world, the media, the culture around us, our coworkers, the nice couple in our family, the, the convenience and the, the story, well, you just don't know my story, the situational ethics to come alongside and so skew our worldview that we don't even realize that we, we're not even matching the Bible. We're so off course that if, if anybody wants to follow us, they're going to get just as lost as we are. So you and I have to take the time to examine what do you really believe? What do you really think about these things? What does the word of God say? You know, you've heard Pastor Steve, many, Steve say many a time, it's not his opinion that matters or your opinion. It's God's opinion. <coughs> and God has a very clear opinion. The, let me look at the slide. If you guys will put up the slide about the culture, the difference. Our culture says one thing and God says another. And we could go through thing after thing, but I just chose one area in the area of identity. So many people today in this area of sexuality well, they tell you, you can't tell me it's wrong because my identity is wrapped up in this. And what God says, God says your identity comes from your creator and he has the right to set the rules. Our identity is not in our sexuality. We have made sexuality a god. In the old cultures, uh, they had the pagan gods literally were like sometimes a, a sex organ or they were orgies and so many things. And so it was kind of clear. You understood that their religion was very sexual. But let me just tell you, our world, the world religion that we live in, the humanistic and whatever feels good, do it. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. Sex has become a god. And your sexuality and what you, your view, it has become something that nobody better dare touch because your identity is wrapped up in it. But see, God says something completely different. He says your identity comes from him. And you and I were designed to look like him and walk like him and talk like him and operate sexually the way he designed sexuality to happen. Culture says your body's your own. You choose your identity based on how you feel what you want. <coughs> when our sexuality becomes our identity, we remove the need for repentance and we have no need for change. Now let me just say this compassionately, and there may be some sitting even in this room. We have compassion. You know, there are times where, um, you know, just in, the, in, the, in, in who you are, your mind gets, you know, you have thoughts. You have same-sex attraction. Maybe you have the desire. You, you felt all your life like you were a guy trapped in a woman's body or vice versa. Okay, we have compassion for that. We're not here to throw stones, as we're going to talk about in a minute. But see, we're not helping you 
if we, if we just let you believe something that is not true. Your identity is not based in your sexuality. And I could go into this. Uh, actually, there's a pastor in uh, Southern California. There's a really excellent resource. I, I can't think of the name right now. We're going to post some resources for you this week. But his mother was a lesbian and his father was homosexual. And he um, became a Christian and walked a straight lifestyle and is a pastor. And his church ministers to many, many, many broken people that are coming out of that lifestyle that are confused. And, and he has a, just a wonderful message of walking the line in grace and truth. And, you know, I know for Pastor Steve and I, we are really, we are studying, we are researching because we understand our world is broken. And we are not here to hurt or, or, or condemn people, but we do understand that you can't change the rules. You know, if I want my washing machine to work the right way, I can't just throw a bunch of rocks in there and expect that it's going to work the same as detergent and go, but I felt like doing it. It doesn't work that way. And neither does our sexuality. And so we have to recognize and develop that, that worldview that God has. What does God say about sexuality? Let's look at this definition. Any, sexu any sexual activity outside of marriage, and I'm going to define marriage in a minute, is considered sin and outside of the boundaries God established for purposeful and safe sexual behavior. It's actually pretty simple. It's simple in, in being written. I understand it's not simple sometimes in the walking out of it. You know, we've had couples come in the church that have lived together for long periods of time. I think of one that had, I think, four kids. They'd been living together for years, and they came into faith, and they decided they wanted to, they wanted to bring their sex life into, into conformity to God's law, and they did it. I was so proud of them. We're, not here, we're here to help you walk this journey, whatever that is. And so, you know, that, that's the beauty of it. But see, God has a statement. I want to read 1 Thessalonians <coughs> verses, uh, chapter 4, I believe it is, verses 3 through 6. Again, this is God's word. I didn't write it. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Not in lustful passion like the pagans who don't know God in his ways. Never harm or cheat a Christian brother in this matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins, as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Wow. Pretty powerful words, pretty pretty simple. You know, I want to give you some simple definitions, and we may post these on uh, Facebook, but um, this is what we believe about gender. We believe that gender is an individual, their, their, their sex at birth is determined. We understand there's people, I believe it's called a herma hermaphrodite, that sometimes it's, not, it's undistinguished, but in most of the time, it is determined by, and we understand that, by the you look, you check, right? How many people checked when you had a baby, boy or girl? And that is the gender that God set. Now, does that mean that people do not have confusion or do not have, no, they may. There are, there are, there are lies that come in our mind. There's iniquitous roots. There's, there's struggles. There's situations that happen. But God says that that's the gender that's set. And we have to align our life, what? To the compass of God's word. In the area of marriage, we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Okay. We don't, we, that's the definition, it's, and that's what God defined. And so, again, I understand that culture says wrong, 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 wrong. But see, I'm not going to stand before culture at the judgment. I'm going to stand before God. 
And I'm gonna have to give an account for how I lived and how I walked, walked it out. Lust is a craving or desire, often of sexual nature that's sinful. And you know, we all have lustful feelings at times. See, to be tempted, in a minute we're gonna talk about the third thing we recognize, which is that God asks us, we recognize that he says, I want you to walk out a sexually pure life. And he knows it's hard. I think I was listening to, I think it was uh, Pastor Patterson. He was saying, if you're a young couple and you're sitting together late at night watching a movie um, in the dark at one in the morning, you have bypassed every exit strategy that God had for you. Okay. And I'm trying to be a little humorous here, but we all know we are sexual beings. And so to ignore that is kind of ridiculous, but to, to not look at the boundaries and, and recognize that God said, I want you to live pure. And I provided a way. There's scriptures in Ephesians 5 that tell us, uh, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. And it goes on. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, the temptations in your life are no different from what anyone else is experiencing. And God is faithful. He won't allow that temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out a way of escape so that you can endure. <coughs> Let me just give a plug for your connect group. You need people that'll stand with you for accountability, to pray with you, to talk to you, to help you when you're struggling in these areas. See, we're a faith community. We're a redemptive community that are here to say there's a way home. You can live God's way and have it work and you can have that awesome life that God has for you. But you, we have to acknowledge that God has the right to tell us what to do. I'm gonna land this thing. And in a minute, um, not at this moment, but in just a minute, they're gonna be handing out a survival card for you and I'll re-reference that. But you know, there's a story in the Bible that is very familiar to us. The story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. How many know that story? Um, many people ask, why was only the woman brought and not the man? It takes two, right? Last time I checked. But only the woman was brought for whatever reason. Many people feel she may have actually been naked, maybe had a hastily thrown uh, blanket or towel wrapped around her. And she was brought and she was thrown in the face of Jesus with these, these, these kind of bigoted, hateful people who had read the word of God and knew that the law said that she was worthy of being stoned. Right? And she knelt there and Jesus was there. And if you know the story, he kind of knelt down. I'm not going to kneel because I might not be able to get back up. And he began to write. We don't know what he wrote. Some people say maybe he wrote different sins, different dates, different names. <coughs> and all of a sudden, what happened? And they were holding big stones. They didn't stone you with little pebbles. They stoned you with things like this because the aim was to kill. And Jesus looked at them and he said, you who's without sin, you who've got this all together, this, this sexual thing, this, this right with walk with God, you who have it all together, you go ahead and you cast the first stone at this lady. I imagine you could have heard a pin drop, but what you did hear was this. One, two, five, ten, I don't know how many. From the oldest to the youngest, all the stones were laid back down. And they all started walking away. And pretty soon, 
guess what? It was just Jesus left with this broken woman. I think she's a beautiful picture of our culture. There's a lot of voices ah, on, on all sides of the equation. Screaming, what right does God have? What right does... I think it's time to stop screaming. I think it's time to get back to the book, to the compass. I think it's time to go back and actually think about who God really is, not who culture has painted him to be. He came to seek and save the lost. He was merciful and true, and he was able. Literally, he was the truth. Literally, he was everything that was truth, the whole law. He came to fulfill it. It was, it was, he knew it upside, downside. It was all of him. And yet also, he was 100% grace. How does that work? I don't exactly know. It's a tension. It's a, it's kind of a miracle. It kind of takes the foot of the cross. And that Jesus, I don't think he stayed standing. I think he got down and he looked her in the eye and he goes, hi. Where are they? Where are your accusers? She said, there's, there's nobody here. Can you imagine what her heart must have felt like? Can you imagine the level of worship that came out of that girl's heart? He said, woman, neither do I condemn you. I, who are the only one here who have the right to throw this stone. Jesus was the only one who could still have a stone in his hand. I don't condemn you. I'm grace, but I'm also truth. You got to get up from here, girl, and you got to go sin no more. You got to change. You got to live within the boundaries that I said. Not because I hate you, not because I'm trying to destroy your identity, but because I love you more than you can ever imagine. Because I created you for a purpose. As I've been praying about this message all week, guys, I've just, I've just been kind of like torn. I, part of me wanted to preach it, part of me didn't want to preach it. Because how, how do you, how do you show the world Jesus? I want to tell you, I love this God that we serve. I love His law. When I read Psalms 119, where it says, "I love Your law." It's my meditation. I love the Word of God. I love the parameters. I love the boundaries. I love the beautiful marriages that are happening in this church. I love the godly offspring. I love the kids that are rescued. I love the girls that maybe got pregnant outside of marriage and were able to love them and help them and help them raise their kids. And there's men in the church that will love them and help be a dad to them. We have beautiful stories of redemption in this church. One of our couples that's going to go out and plant a church, their story was very much like this, and yet redemption won. See, when you do it God's way, God wins, and it's beautiful. But when you kind of keep screaming, ah, what right does God have to tell me what to do? You know what happens? You're kind of like the people that didn't make it on the ark. Because the church and the word of God and the boundaries are an ark of safety. Can you stand with me? We're going to land the ship. <coughs> are you with me? How many broken people are in this room? Yeah. But Jesus came to save and to rescue and to 
to win air. Let me just tell you this. I don't care how broken you are. I don't care how messed up sexually your life has been. It doesn't matter. God is the miracle worker. And you're in a community here that loves you and cares about you. We're, gonna, we're not going to lie to you. As my husband would say, we're not going to blow smoke up your skirt. I had to get something in there like that so you know he's... But we're not going to leave you. We're going to walk you in this journey. We got people in our families, our workplaces. I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is life, guys. This is the world. That video is just snapshots of the craziness and the torture and the, oh, I was watching the CMA Awards and they were talking about how they're a family and they were singing and I was proud. It was awesome. They sang the song Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Falling. And it was cool, but I'm thinking, you know, the CMA, that's awesome, guys, but that ain't church. (laughs) You need to get yourself in God's house and be the part of the God community that's going to really bring what? Grace and truth. And I'm asking you, I'm double dog daring you to wash your brain in the word of God and be like Jesus, full of grace, but full of truth, both. If you're here today and you've never met Jesus, maybe your life's a mess, maybe it's going pretty good, but you just, you never met this Jesus who loves you more than you can ever imagine. I wanna invite you today, we wanna pray with you. We wanna welcome you into a a family, into a a group of people that love you and wanna help you in this journey of faith. And so if you'd come out of your seat, maybe you brought someone with you, and if you, you know, just, you don't know if they're saved, just tap on the shoulder, say, do you want to meet Jesus today? I want to give a minute for that. I really, I, I hope you know, I love Jesus. I believe that he is the only answer for our broken world. He's the only answer. Is there anybody here? Maybe you've been with God, but you've been walking away. Man, this is the day. This is the day to get back on course. This is the day to connect with God. The altars are going to be open. You can come afterwards. We want to make a way for you. Tonight at your connect, you're going to be talking about these things. And in just a minute, we're going to be singing and handing out these cards. But I just want to pray with you. Can you lift your hands with me? <coughs> How many here can say with me, you want to, and we're going to sing it in a minute, you want to be like Jesus? It's kind of hard. <laughs> so the same grace that I got to give out, I got to receive. The same truth I got to walk out, I got I to gotta, I gotta live by. Father, I just thank you. I am in love with you. I'm in love with your majesty. I'm in love with that you're my creator, that you're awesome. I'm in love with your word and your truth. And I am in love with the incredible grace that you pour out that is beyond my imagination. It's reckless, it's crazy, it's scandalous in many ways because it's so lavish. And it it just reaches to the deepest. Even that song we sang, only your blood, God, that flow that cleanses and washes and brings us redemption. God, I pray that you would wash our hearts clean, that you would help us, God. Lord, free us. If there's any in this room that are, that are struggling in some sexual areas, Lord, I pray they're going to they're gonna feel comfortable to talk with somebody. Maybe they're connect leader. Maybe one of the leaders in the church. Maybe they have family members and they don't know how to navigate these waters. Or we're here to help give answers, God. Lord, we're here to help. We're not here to, to, to throw stones. We're laying our stones down, God. We're laying them as a boundary. We're laying them to help people build houses. 
We're home builders. And God, if there's any here that are struggling, Lord, help them. And God, I pray that you will help us get our compass set right. God, you are God and you gave us a survival guide and you expect us to use it. And if we will do that, we will start looking like you. We will be Jesus on the earth. We will be the one that can look in the eyes of a lost and broken person and say there's hope. Come on, just begin to thank the Lord. We're going to sing this song. Just as we sing it, just let that be your prayer.